morning from Mark, chapter 12, beginning in verse 38. As he taught, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the Word of God for the people of God. God. If you were with us last week, you may recall that we were reading from Mark. Jesus was teaching. He had an exchange with a scribe. They were wondering and discussing and talking about what is the first or the greatest commandment. And of course, Jesus' response was the greatest or the first commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That was a friendly exchange with the scribe. He agreed that Jesus had answered well, and they seemed to be on the same page. Today, the scribes do not fare quite so well. In this story we've just read, Jesus uses at least some of the scribes as an example of how to not practice one's faith. He says, beware of the scribes who walk around seeking notoriety, those who are looking for adulation and adoration and special kinds of experiences not granted to everyone. Jesus doesn't attack all the scribes, but those who appear to be ones only out for self, practicing their faith, You could say in a self-seeking way, Jesus is speaking against that. Or those who are using their neighbors, in this case, he points out devouring widows' worth, money, homes for their own self-aggrandizement. He says that's using your neighbor rather than loving your neighbor. Right on the heels after he has reminded them of these commandments to love God with all of you who you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says, beware. Beware. If you're on that path of seeking only self-importance, then beware because you are on the wrong path. Take stock of your own life. Reflect on your own motivations and practices. And make this 
a regular part and practice of your Christian walk to reflect on your own life, your own way of living, and make sure that in your life, first is love of God and love of neighbor. As is so characteristic of Mark, right after he shares with us a teaching from Jesus, he almost always then tells a story that embodies the teaching further. We have the same thing in this 12th chapter today, right after the original teaching. And Mark records it in verses 41 through 44. There's the story of this widow. Jesus is watching people come by a box to put money in to support the temple treasury. Lots of people, he says, come by, putting in large amounts of money. And then finally, this widow comes alone by herself, drops in a couple of coins. Mark points out, only worth a penny. And yet then Jesus commends her. And says, she's the one that we should notice. Calls all the disciples together and says, she's the one who has done the most. Because she's given out of her meager resources all she has. She's giving everything. Notice it's the same theme as the greatest commandment. Where we're called to love the Lord our God with all of who we are. To give all of ourselves and all of our life to God. And Jesus says, even though it would be easy to think she doesn't matter and her gift doesn't make a difference, that would be a mistake because she has given her all. She has given her best back to God. Where are you in your own life with your giving to God, with your priorities in your life? Jesus is calling for full commitment to God in our intentions and in our actions. In this story today, He's using money only as an illustration. It's not so much about the amount as it is what does it cost you to give? What does it require of you in terms of faith? In terms of trusting in God? Does your financial giving happen with ease? Or does it take some sacrifice? Jesus is suggesting that our giving to God should stretch us in terms of our faith and our trust of God. Should be a means of growth. You might ask yourself, am I able to give all that I give without ever thinking of God? Do I already have this covered? Or do I have to work and pray to make sure that I live up to my commitment to God and what I have committed to do in terms of a person of faith? Does it demonstrate that God and God's work in the world are the priority in your life? It's an important question for us to think about and reflect on. How much do you sense God's calling in your life? How much are you willing to give of yourself and your resources in response? If you claim to be a Christian and say God is at the top of the list, I understand the first and greatest commandment. 
then does that play out in any significant or visible ways in terms of the other decisions you make in your life? And Jesus suggests that it should. That we should be able to see our commitments coming through our motivations and our actions. As we're preparing for this 125th anniversary celebration, I was rereading the history of Boston Avenue Church. I had really forgotten how much controversy there was in the early 1920s. This congregation was situated down the street at 5th in Boston, but there were rumblings that perhaps they should build a new church. In fact, they went so far as to buy property at 8th and Cincinnati. And then there was a pastoral change. And there were further discussions because there had been so much disagreement. Did they need to build a new church? Should they move? Were they ready? Could they afford it? Before they ever came to this property at 13th, they had to decide about the property at 8th and Cincinnati. Finally, it was decided that they should sell that property before they build and move here to build. But then they struggled. They hired an architect. They ended up firing them. They could not agree on what they wanted to do. There were lots of meetings trying to decide what the design would be. Mrs. C.C. Cole, who was a leading member with her husband, Mr. Cole, who eventually became the chairperson of the building committee that constructed this magnificent church, would comment later that it was only after several stormy sessions, as she called it, the church board decided to proceed to 13th and Boston. But even then, they couldn't decide what kind of design they wanted. There was a debate about whether they were in a red brick building then. Should it be red brick again? When the rumor got out that there might be a tower on this church, many questions whether or not that was safe. Could you, could you really build a tower that tall that would be structurally sound? High-rise buildings were just beginning to appear. It's easy to forget how much turmoil and controversy and discussion and debate went on. The notes we have in our archives show that for months and months and months, discussions and debates happened at the church and in the parking lots and in people's homes. You know how that works sometimes. <laughs> Dr. Rice, reflecting about the struggles the congregation had to determine their direction, wrote this later. The spiritual growth of the leaders of the Boston Avenue Church is indicated by a comparison of their original plan and conception of what the church ought to be and the structure as it stands today. The idea of a modest church and Sunday school combined on a hundred-foot corner lot off Cincinnati grew within a few years to the inspiring creation now completed with the tower in the exact middle of the street. He went on to talk about that taking such a bold step, a God-sized step, if you will, would be the difference between the erection of another pretty church and a landmark in the history of church architecture. 
Dr. Rice, in advocating for Ada Robinson's radical design, which we enjoy today, said he believed it would be a church with an exterior, even if he was standing outside in the rain, that would talk to him. And then upon coming inside, would impel him to worship whether he wanted to or not. I tell you all of this, not only because it's part of our history, but because it speaks to the deep conviction that those who came before us had. Their commitment to continue to toil and struggle and work and strive together to sacrifice and compromise and give of themselves and their time and their talent so that this might be possible. They walked through some difficult things together, always though believing that God was leading them and looking for how they might be more faithful followers of God here in this place. I think their commitment and their conviction illustrates what Jesus is talking about in our text today when He says who we should honor. He says we should honor those who make sacrifices and give their all as they strive to respond faithfully to God's call in Jesus Christ. When we think about people who give their all, we often think of our veterans appropriate, particularly on this weekend. But in terms of our own church history, we should remember Reverend E.B. Chenoweth, who was living and pastoring in Colorado and heard that there was a call and a need for pastors in this new territory and packed up his wife and infant child, traveled by horse and wagon to come to this place where he knew nobody to start a ministry in the name of Christ. What kind of calling and response to that calling must he have felt to make such a journey? Or we could remember Dr. and Mrs. Brewer who were already here and met him early on and became great lay leaders as this small group of people began to gather and talk about what it might mean to be a church together. Oh, they started things and they grew and grew. Barty mentioned Mr. and Mrs. Cole and Dr. Rice who were so instrumental and prime leaders in the 1920s to move us to this site. Of course, there's also Dr. Muzon Biggs, who came here and served 33 years, gave his life, his toil, shared his talent, his vision that we might be a vital congregation. There's so many others that we could name, that we can never fully recount all of the sacrifices all of the gifts, all of the talent that has been shared over all these 125 years to make this still a vital church in the heart of Tulsa today. Just think about all the people who have passed through this place who shared, as Jesus says of the widow, what they had to share. They gave their time, 
They gave their talent. They gave their resources. They helped out here or there or wherever was needed so that the church and their time and place could continue to grow and reach out in the name of Christ. Everyday members making such a difference so that now all of us are able to be here as heirs of their faith and celebrate A vital faith alive in our lives because Boston Avenue Church is a place that has blessed us. I believe that Jesus is reminding us in the text today that life and vitality often require authentic faith, but also deep commitment and real sacrifice. That we have to be people of commitment. If God is going to do all that God wants to do through us. We have to be people who are willing to toil and strive and sacrifice and struggle together. Even on those days we don't agree seeking God's leading. Believing that God is not done with us yet and still has more in store for our mission and ministry as a congregation in this time and place. I believe that the church still needs and this world still needs people who are willing to put God first in their life and people who, out of such conviction and commitment, are willing to reach deep into their souls to serve God through this place, to proclaim the love of God as alive still and at work in the world. Are we willing to be those people in this time and place? Are we willing to remember those who came before us and step up and take our place? Are we willing to take our place in this line of great servants of Christ? If so, then we can be sure that the Boston Avenue Church will continue to shine as a beacon of love and light for another 125 years. Thanks be to God.